My guest today is the head of growth at Closed Loop, helping startups accelerate from their seed round to Series A through tactical revenue frameworks and playbooks. When he's not closing deals, he is beasting in the gym and offering up mindset and startup-related sales advice on LinkedIn. Introducing Ned Eric. Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. Ned, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all, man. I, uh, I came across one of your old videos on YouTube. I think when you were, you know, creating the, the cold call cages and, mm-hmm. you know, doing the cold call competitions and the athlete, the SDR athlete video. And yeah, I was like, yeah. holy <laughs> crap, this dude is a beast and I need to get it, get on his level in the gym. Dude, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. That's <laughs> no, unbelievable. I want to dive right into something that absolutely changed my life when you talked about it on your podcast, Bruce Traffic Growth, one of your, your old podcasts. And this was about side hustles mm-hmm. and sales. Yeah. <laughs> and you were the first person that I had heard talk about this. You know, we hear people promoting side hustles all the time, especially since the pandemic started, you know, people talking about second, third, four streams, four streams of income and needing that. Why are you against side hustles and why do you actually think it's really bad advice for salespeople? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is definitely going against the grain for sure right now. And yes, I still am very against side hustles for salespeople. The reason I'm very against side hustles for salespeople is because sales, if you are good at, is the highest paying profession in the world, right? If you are in the right vehicle and you are doing the right things, you can make seven figures, I know, eight figure salespeople. It all kind of started, God, I'm going to age myself now, 2014, 2015. I have a good friend of mine who sells toilet paper for a living, Okay, right? And I, I joke around about that. He sells toilet pa- toiletries, but we joke he sells toilet paper. And he makes seven figures a year selling toilet paper, right? Wow. And one of the things that I was doing at that time was I was trying to start my own company. I was trying to sell the SaaS that I was selling. I was trying to figure out how I could consult for gyms. I had all of these things that were going on. And I remember one time he used to be a training partner of mine. He said to me, he was like, bro, like, you got to dig into one thing. And he was like, it doesn't matter what it is, but you actually have to pick one. Because if you pick one, you're going to get really freaking good at it. Right. And one of the, you know, analogies that I've used before is like, if you think about like a Kobe Bryant or LeBron James or Michael Jordan, and and the reason I say Michael Jordan last is because he did play baseball for a year, but (laughs) they shoot baskets, they play basketball. Right. And they got really freaking good at basketball and now, now they're the highest paying sport athletes or were the highest paying athletes in their field, right? It's the same thing with doctors. It's the same thing with lawyers. It's the same thing with accountants, right? You have to go to school and you have to get very good at a specific thing for you to then be the highest paying paid doctor, highest paid lawyer, whatever it may be. And the problem is, is that I think as salespeople, we think that we are less than a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, right? We think that because the barrier to entry in a lot of sales professions is at least lower than having to go to 12 years of school, we think that, oh, okay, well, I'm only going to make 
$100,000 as a salesperson, right? So I might as well have another stream of income, right? And I understand the idea of having multiple streams of income when it comes to investments, right? I have multiple streams of income when it comes to investments, Mm -hmm. right? But if you are in sales, your job is going to be where you can actually make the most money if you are in, in the right vehicle. And so if I'm talking about side hustles for salespeople, it means that you are spending time that you could be prospecting, spending time that you could be building decks, spending time doing things that could actually help you close larger deals faster. And you're spending it to go make 150 bucks with some e-commerce product, right? And so I think that there's a lot of misinformation out there for people about side hustles, thinking that they're going to go make seven figures next week. And there is good, like Justin Welsh has really good side hustle information, right? And he's not telling you to go make seven figures. He's telling you to go find a $15 bill and pay that first, right? And I think that's good sales side hustle advice. But the people that are sitting there telling you, go start this other company, like that's absolutely the wrong information, especially for a 20-something-year-old sales rep who hasn't hit quota, right? Focus on hitting quota, then focus on exceeding quota, focus on going to the next level in your uh, career. And then from there, maybe potentially when we start talking about you making, you know, a base salary of, you know, 250 plus, and, you know, you're making seven figures as a salesperson, maybe we can start talking about your side hustles consulting, right? But if you got, you know, if you're making 75K, instead of going and trying to make an additional 25K somewhere else, why don't you close more deals? Why don't you get really, really freaking good at your craft? And then we can start talking side hustles, right? So I think that long story short, the reason I'm against it is because I think the information is way too early, especially when you're talking to salespeople who have an opportunity to make the most money of any profession in the world. Yeah, it's especially relevant to salespeople in particular because there are other professions out there where there's a ceiling to the amount of money where you can make that you can make. But in sales, typically, you know, you're uncapped, you're sort of earning potential is limitless. So going deeper is a lot more valuable than going wider. And LeBron James himself says this, you know, you got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And when you do that, now you can do the charitable projects. Now you can do the investments into the up and coming startup. Now you can sort of diversify yourself, but 90%, 80-20 rule, Pareto principle, 80% of the time is spent on the main thing. And that's how these guys become masters and crafts of what they do like you have. And You really talk about three things that make a successful salesperson. One is your mindset, one is your skill set, and the third is your activity. I want to break down sort of each of those individually. You've been talking about a relentless mindset on LinkedIn over the past few days, and I've really enjoyed those posts. Can you break down your frameworks around mindset and how someone can put together a, a relentless mindset when approaching sales? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think that as a salesperson, there are only two things that you can really uh, control, your quantity and your quality of your activity. And then you have to have this, like you were saying, your mindset, your skill set, and your activity, right? And so when it comes to the mindset piece, if you had talked to me probably five years ago, I'd have been like, oh God, like, shut up, Ned. Like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Like, just give me the tactical scripts. Give me everything that I need to know, right? But when it comes to mindset, it is the most important piece of you actually being able to grow. I was, I was just on a, uh, at an onsite and one of the individuals that we were training was like, well, cold calling doesn't work. And I was just like, well, no, you're, you're right. It doesn't work for you because you don't believe that it works. Right. And it really, truly does come down to that aspect of belief in what you're doing. 
if you, to have a relentless mindset in sales, right? And to, I know that sounds like very, you know, ethereal, but to put tactical execution or tactical application around this, a relentless mindset comes down to executing the things that you know will get you to your goal, right? So what that means is building out, and, and I actually made a post about this this morning about getting rid of your routine, right? Completely, right? Because most people's routine is written by someone else. It's written in a book. It was told by a peer. It was, you know, they watched a YouTube video and someone that's, you know, at a higher level, they read it on LinkedIn that someone gets up at 4 a.m. And because they get up at 4 a.m., they get a whole total, they get a 13 month year, right? Because they get extra work done, right? Yeah. Well, if you create a routine for, from someone else, you're going to break that routine, right? And that is going to create a uh, unrelentless mindset, I guess, right? The relentless mindset is about taking action consistently on the things that you know are going to help you reach your goals, right? We have these sort of like subconsciously, we have a social credit score with ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And our subconscious mind, actually, when we say, I'm going to go and make a million dollars this year, and we don't make a million dollars, when we say it next year on, on January 1st, our subconscious goes, yeah, right. Right. And so what the way that you build a relentless mindset in sales is you take baby steps every single day. Right. I've got this million dollar quota over here. Right. On January 1st, a million dollar quota feels like a lot. But if I can reverse engineer and break things down into 90 day chunks, 30 day chunks, week chunks, day chunks, and just do the things that are going to help me eventually get to that million dollar goal your social capital with yourself becomes a 700, 800 credit score, right? Because when you're doing those things, you're making your payments on your card, right? Subconsciously, your mindset starts to become stronger because your subconscious becomes stronger. And now logically, your subconscious goes, when you say, I'm going to you know, pick up this cup, right? My mind didn't think anything of it. But if you were to sit there and say, you know, you've made $2,000 a month for the last five years, and you were to say, I'm going to make $20,000 this month, I bet you, you have a lot of questions internally that are like, well, no, you're not like what's going on. And so relentless mindset broken down to just the most simplest level is setting yourself a actual daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly goals that you know are going to help you achieve that large goal and actually doing them. Not doesn't mean waking up at four. It doesn't mean meditating for three hours a day. It doesn't mean reading 10, you know, 10 pages of a book a day, right? It means doing the things and executing on the things that you know are going to help you be successful. And so when I talk mindset and when I talk to the team at Closed Loop, when I talk to any of the teams that we work with here, it's not about a routine. It's not about meditation. It's not about journaling. It's about you taking action. Too many people forget the action part in sales, right? They go to the webinar. They read that LinkedIn post. They read those books. What's the best books that you've read? What's, oh, I've got a webinar at 2.30 today that I've got to, you know, I have to be on because they're going to give me all these tips and tricks and tactics. Well, here's the thing. Any tip, trick, and tactic is going to work if you actually do it. And so the relentless mindset piece and, and what I'm really focusing on in my posts on LinkedIn now is really talking to people about that execution that truly on a neuroscientific level actually allows you to build a relentless mindset as opposed to kind of this surface level thing that most people do. 
Yeah, absolutely. We tend to gravitate towards the things that prevent us from actually doing the work. Oh, I, yeah. I am totally guilty of this. Like I will say that, you know, I'm going to work on my podcast on a Sunday and then I'll throw on some YouTube videos about growing yeah. my podcast without actually a- applying into anything into it. Like that happens. But at the same time, you know, you can create your own, like, like you said, you don't agree in routines, but you can create your own sort of warm up to what it, whatever it is you're doing. Some people like getting into work right away. I know for me, like I'm trying to at least do like 10 minutes of meditation and then do some stretching because those are things that I need in my day to day to like really warm up and then get into my calls and start getting my flow, you know, getting to that flow state. You, right? Like that's important. You know, you right now, if I were to go, man, oh dude, meditation for 10 minutes and stretching sounds awesome. Let me do that right? The minute that I actually, something comes up in my life or I skip that or something like that, my routine breaks. And the thing is, and this is why so many uh, people don't reach their goals in life is because once that routine breaks, those goals go along with it because your goals were tied to a routine. When in reality, your goals should be goals and your routine should be actions, Mm -hmm. right? If those actions that you're taking are helping you achieve your goals, 10 out of 10, do it. I don't care. Right. It's when I hear these people sit there and say, you know, oh, I'm going to spend four hours before the sun comes up to do X, Y, and Z, but they went to bed at midnight and they only got four hours of sleep. And by 10 AM they're tired and they're like, oh, I got to take a nap or they're not working at peak performance. Right. Right. It's those kind of, it's almost the exact same way. It's like, there's never truly any bad advice. There's just bad context in that advice, right? So it's like the same with the side hustle, right? I have no problem with someone being like, you should have a side hustle if that person has hit a true ceiling in the amount of money that they make, the amount of time that they can do things in, right? Mm -hmm. And I have no problem with the routine if that routine is leading to peak performance and actions towards the goals that you have. Other than that, if you have room to grow in any way, shape or form, you need to be taking more action. It always comes down to execution. Yeah, the routine can sometimes be more hurtful than it can be helpful. And I think we really need to wait, change the way that we talk about goal setting. You know, we have all these vision boards and we have all these goals that we write down and those are important. But I think what's more important is what you talked about is what actions do I need to actually take on a day-to-day basis to put, to give myself the best chance of making that goal happen. Um, This is the thing with the law of traction as well is that, yeah, you can, you know, put together the belief you can, you know, create that goal in your mind and visualize it. But unless you start taking those daily actions to get there, it's, it's all for not really. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Law of attraction is, is a perfect example, right? Is I can envision myself driving, driving my Ferrari. Right. And it's like the thoughts lead to words, leads to actions, right? Whatever that is, you know, I, I don't really follow it at th- that much anymore, but it is, it's, it's that like the secret, that movie that came out, right. Everyone knows that secret. I think it was a book first or whatever. It yeah. Was, yeah. Right. But yeah, it's like, I can't just sit in my recliner, like in that movie and just pretend like I'm driving. And then all of a sudden I'm driving. No, you need to go out and do the things that are going to allow that to happen. Right. And I think that you, you made a really, really good point that I don't want people to overlook is that we typically gravitate towards the things that are preparing us for action. And what happens is when we prepare ourselves for action, as opposed to actually taking action, then we end up in preparation purgatory, 
right? Everyone talks about analysis, uh, yeah, paralysis, analysis. analysis, analysis, paralysis, right? No, it is preparation purgatory where most people are, right? They're not afraid to take action, but they think they need that one more thing. They need to listen to that one more podcast, that one more webinar, read that one more book. Well, if I just download this one more free course, or if I read one more podcast or read one more LinkedIn post, whatever it may be, right? No, instead of that, you know, I, I tell this to all the groups that we have in any of our trainings, right? You, I tell them you can get an ROI on anything in your life. I don't care what it is, but you have to choose one to two things from that thing that you're in, whether it be a course, a book, you're having a one-on-one conversation, a coaching, a seminar, whatever it may be, you choose one to two things from that and you go deep and you take action on that, guess what? You just got your ROI. What, pro- what happens is people go very wide and they go an inch deep. And the problem is, is when you go really wide, you don't know where to start, right? So now, because I'm only an inch deep on prospecting, well, I do need a ton of time to prepare, right? Or I'm only an inch deep on discovery questions and sales, right? Well, guess what? You do need 30 minutes to prepare for a call. If you can't, if you don't know what the questions are, you don't know how to research, you don't know how to uh, uncover pain, right? You don't know how to prioritize, right? But once, once you actually realize that if I just went deep for 90 days on discovery and got really freaking good at discovery, my close rate would skyrocket. Or if I got really, really deep on prospecting, right? My pipeline would be full right? It's about depth, not width. And I even give this kind of, uh, I tell everyone this is I recommend picking one or two people to listen to, mm-hmm. right? Too many people try to like Frankenstein methodologies and sales together. When I started to see my career skyrocket was when I actually just went deep and closed loop, right? And I've been very blessed to, to be able to work with them, but Many people don't know that I was a triangle seller three and a half years before Corey and Hillman ever called me up and yeah. said, hey, why don't you do this? Right. And just because I went deep on all their books, I only read their eight books that they, or I guess at the time it was six books. I'd only read their six books for two years straight. I didn't read any other book. I just read those books. I just went on Closed Loop University when it came out every single day. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it got to the point where Hillman and Corey were like, hey, Come, come hang out with us over here, right? The water's warm. And so if you can go deep, I don't care if it's closed loop, I don't care if it's medic, I don't care if it's Sandler, I don't care what it is, right? But if you go deep on that and you actually create some depth to your skills, your preparation, you won't need to prepare, right? I could roll out of bed and run a discovery call now, right? Yeah. I could roll out of bed and close a deal. I don't need to meditate. I don't need to journal. I don't need to work out, right? I do all of those things still, but it doesn't happen in the morning. Sometimes I wake up at, you know, nine 30. Sometimes I wake up at 10. Don't tell anyone. Right. <laughs> right. And then I just roll into meetings and then the things that I need to get done, get done. And, you know, I think when you get into this preparation purgatory, that's really when you start to see people needing side hustles because they're afraid they're going to get fired. We talk about a lot of how the internet is so full of information and you can learn anything nowadays on, yeah. on the web. The biggest challenge is that there's too much information now. Yes, information overload. Absolutely. Like gurus, courses, everything in between is available for you. And it's so hard sometimes to pick out because everything's sunshine and rainbows from the outside, but you can never really pull back the curtains and see what's going on from behind. So, you know, for anyone listening, like make sure you're really vetting 
yes. the courses, the people you follow, the books you read to know if there's actual substance behind what is being said. Like, I think that's super critical because it's very easy to get lost in, in the weeds if you're not sort of following the right person or listening to the right advice. Yeah. I, I'll tell you when people start to speak in absolutes, they've got something to sell you. That's cold calling is dead. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Yeah. Cold calling is dead. Video is the only thing, right? When you start to hear these absolutes of this is the only way to prospect on LinkedIn, right? I know for a fact, you've got a 997 course that's waiting for me on the other end of this free video. Yeah. Right. And so I just be careful as people speaking in absolutes, right? And you'll notice that I don't speak in absolutes because, hey, my name's Ned. I'm the head of growth at Closed Loop and I've got nothing to sell you. Yeah. Right. I'm just going to share with you the way that I've been able to go from not successful to what, you know, from the outside looking in, a lot of people would say is successful. Yeah. And you, so you talked a little bit about those 90 day sprints to become successful. Sometimes you do 90 day sprints, 30 day sprints. And we mentioned that skill set is one of those three important pillars to being a successful salesperson. What kind of skills does a salesperson need to put together to really be a master at the craft? Yeah. Yeah. I think really, it's a great question because I think as much as people will, as much as people talk about top of funnel these days, because I think it's the easiest thing to talk about, right? Everyone talks, you know, if you got a lot of pipeline, you don't have to worry. That's a very important skill to have as a salesperson, right? Top of funnel prospecting. But where a lot of people mess up is they forget down funnel. And I think if I was a rep today where I would put a hundred percent of my focus is from discovery to close. Right. And what I would do, and this would be my exact game plan. If I'm a 22 year old AE 25, I don't shoot. If I'm a 32 year old AE, I don't care. Right. And I'm just getting into it. Or even if I've been there for 10 years, what I would do is I would take 90 days and only focus on getting better at discovery. Corey, our, one of our founders says this all the time. You want to get better at closing, you get better at discovery. Quite simple. Mm -hmm. And I would get focused on people talking about pain, how to uncover pain, right? Then from there, how do we actually uncover priority? And then how do we create urgency and velocity in those deals? That is discovery. I would go 90 days on that. And then I would go 90 days on how specifically we actually create that urgency and velocity, right? How do we actually book meetings from meetings, right? That everyone talks about book a meeting from a meeting. One of the most important things you can do to create velocity in your deals, right? How do we understand exit criteria? right? How do I have everything? How do we understand entrance criteria? What needs to happen at each stage of the process, right? And then I'll, I'll give you a, a, a probably a, something blasphemous here is I wouldn't ever focus on closing. Closing is something that happens the entire time through a sales process. I always joke around when we're, we're, I'm talking to any closed loop clients, I go, how many of you saw our, you know, 147 ways to close a deal in closed loop university? And everyone's like, ha, I never saw it. You're right. <laughs> right? Because we don't have a closing module. Yeah. We have modules on discovery, right? How to pre uh, present, how to demo, right? How to create urgency and velocity in between meetings, right? How to get referrals, right? How do we upsell, cross-sell? How do we grow accounts? Those are the things that people need. I'm going to say something that's probably not going to be super popular. Most people aren't that great at top of funnel and still do very well in the sales job if they know how to run discovery, right? 
I know a lot of people that have five, six, maybe seven people in their pipeline, but they're closing at 86%. Mm-hmm. And so they know that when they get two people in their pipeline, right? Or let's make it, let's go 10. They, they get 10 people in their pipeline. They know eight or nine of them are going to close because they know how to run proper deals. And so as a salesperson, your skills, I think there's enough out there top of funnel for you to just copy paste templates and figure out how to personalize and do those things. There isn't enough out there right now about how to run proper discovery, how to run proper demos, how to create that urgency and velocity to close larger deals faster. That is 100%. If you're listening to this, even if you aren't in AE right now, I would, even if I'm a BDR, I'd stop worrying about, you know, getting better at cold calls. I'd stop worrying about getting better at cold emails. Those things, you know, like we talked about, there's quality and quantity of activity you can control, mm-hmm. right? Most of you are doing probably pretty good quality mm-hmm. emails or cold calls, right? Compared to what you were doing. It's the quantity aspect. And then if you really want to grow in your career, uh, you've got to get really, really good at the process of sales. And I'll say this because Corey will, you know, will, will love me if I say this is most salespeople that want to be in leadership. The reason that they're not in leadership is because they don't understand spreadsheets. So get really good at spreadsheets too, because guess what? Once you're a VP of sales, as much as some of these LinkedIn people want to tell you they're still making cold calls, maybe they are, but you do a lot of spreadsheeting as well. Fair enough. Excel might need to brush up on my Excel skills at one point. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you were to give like a two minute masterclass on discovery, what would that be? I would say talk next steps at the top of the call. So let me actually back up, get their agenda first. Don't walk into a discovery call with your own agenda. You're going to close off their mind right? A lot of times people will walk into a discovery call with a slide up and I'll say, here are the three things we're going to go over. And then they say, is there anything you would like to add? If we haven't had an initial conversation with this person, we have no rapport with them. And they're just going to go, yeah, that looks good. When in reality, we probably had five minutes of conversation we could have had just by asking them what they were hoping to accomplish today, Mm -hmm. right? So first off is get their agenda first. Don't show up to a discovery call with uh, with a deck. Number two is ask permission to ask questions, right? I think that's extremely, extremely important because in a discovery call, the only agenda for an AE is to ask questions. We are going to figure out if this is something that we should actually move forward with or something we should shake hands and partner spreads, all right? Get their agenda, ask permission, ask uh, questions. And then from there, you need to get buy-in on next steps within the first five minutes or so of the call, right? We need to create certainty and also develop and and give them the autonomy to make a decision at the end, right? So I want to tell them next steps. Hey, we're going to stop with five minutes and we're going to decide if a demo makes sense or if we're going to shake hands and part as friends. Sound fair, something like that, right? From there, I am not going to ask a process question as my top question, right? So many people will be like, tell me about your business. Hey, how are you doing things today? You know, I see that you have this technology. How are you using it? At the top of the call, we need to create some pain, quite simply. And so start your discovery call with pain-based, research-based questions that show your expertise, right? You, I'm not discovering how your process works today yet. I am trying to see, is there pain here? Because without pain, there is no pitch. Without pain buy-in, there's nothing that we can sell them, right? So their agenda, get permission to ask questions. Then I want to talk next steps. From there, I want to have a pain-based discovery question first. And then I want to get into some intellectual context, 
I want to understand the priority of where this is, how long that pain's been going on, right? What have they done to fix it, right? Who else is this impacting? How are those things working that they're trying, right? Why is it important to them now? Why are we having this conversation now, right? And then from there, in a discovery call, I want to pivot into a high level 40,000 foot view of why I think based on what they've told me, why what we have could be something that would help them, right? So once I get to the end, I'm going to pivot. And here's the thing. The words that never should come out of your mouth is what we have is, right? The words that come out of your mouth should be based on what you've just told me. And based on where you're at, you need X, Y, and Z. We need to get very prescriptive in the discovery call. Then we give them a 40,000 foot view of why we think that. And then we stop and we get their decision on that next step, right? If you run a discovery call that way and you give them that 40,000 foot view, you don't have a deck, you get their agenda, you talk next steps at the top of the call, right? You get that intellectual context into that emotional context. And then from there, you just pivot, give them a 40,000 foot view of why you think that this is going to be something that is going to impact their business in a positive way. You are going to, and then obviously book a meeting from a meeting, right? You want to get out the next steps again, book that next meeting. You will have some massive velocity coming into your deals. Beautiful. There's your masterclass in discovery. Slap a hundred dollar price tag on it, throw a, throw in a sales funnel and you're, you're, you're making some dough because that was, that was great. I, I love that. And then the last pillar. So your activity, your activity can help you make a successful salesperson can help make you a successful salesperson. How do you frame activity in the context of selling? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I always say is reps need to understand why they're doing activity, Right. There needs to be metrics always tied to activity. And it's very similar to what we were talking about with mindset, right? I've got this million dollar quota. Well, as leaders, or even if you are trying to lead yourself, right? Maybe you've got, maybe you're sitting there going, well, Ned, my leaders don't give me the why, right? You find the why of activity. You need to know what that end goal is. And then you work backwards from there, right? If I know that I've got, you know, a 2% connect rate on phones, and I've got a 5% reply rate on emails and 10% on LinkedIn messages, right? And then I know that, and those are the conversions to get them into stage zero, right? And then I know I've got an 80% stage zero to stage one, I've got a 50% stage one to stage two, right? You have to understand the why behind the metrics. And when I say that, I mean, as an organization, we have given you a million dollar quota because as an organization, we have a $20 million revenue target that we have to hit, right? Not 20 reps or whatever it may be, right. right? Understanding that why allows reps to actually do the things that they're meant, they're, they're asked to do, right? So this is more even just for the leaders that are listening to this and then we'll go into the reps. But as a leader, do not tell someone to make 80 dials a day until you've told them why. Mm-hmm. And when you tell them why, it is metrics-driven analytical, right? And then if you're leading people, you also need to know where they want to go, right? A million-dollar quota is fine. The revenue targets as an organization is great. But what happens if they don't hit this million-dollar quota deeper than just, oh, you'll go you know, on a pip or you'll freaking, you know, you're going to, uh, you, you'll lose your job or whatever it may be. Like there needs to be deeper. Most people aren't hitting a million-dollar quota and feeling fulfilled. Yeah. 
it's the things that happen because of the million dollar quota, right? Promotions, new cars, vacations with family, right? Being able to live the life they've always wanted, right? Whatever that may be, you have to understand their why to then tie that why to the metrics why. Yeah. Right. So if you tell me to make 80 dials, I need to understand that as an organization, you need to hit 20 million. I am 120th of that. Right. You need to understand that, hey, the reason I'm saying 80 dials is because your conversion rate is 2%. When you talk to someone, you have a 20% connect to conversion rate. I need you to make send out 100 emails. Why? Because you've got a 5% reply rate and now you've got a 10% reply to meeting book rate. Right. That kind of stuff is so important to understanding why you're doing that. Because here, then I can coach you and I can say, well, if you just get your connect rate up to 4%, I just need you to make 40 dials. Right. If you just double your reply rate, I just need you to do 50 emails. Right. And just so if you can tie the why to the analytics, people will actually do the the work. It's when you go, you have to make a hundred dollars. Why didn't you make a hundred dollars? We're going to do a call blitz this week. You have to make $150 a day. Right. And it's like, oh, you're going to get a hundred dollar visa gift card. Guess what? I don't care about a hundred dollar visa gift card. (laughs) I care about why we are doing the things that we're doing and how it's impacting the organization as a whole. And I feel like I'm actually ingrained in the success of what the organization is doing right? As a rep, if you don't have leadership that's doing that, you need to do that for yourself, right? You need to, as a personal leader, understand that, hey, I've got a 2% reply rate. I've got a 5% email, right? I've got these conversion rates down funnel, right? You have to then say, okay, well, for me to actually hit this quota, I need to be closing 10 deals a month, 20 deals a quarter, whatever it may be. But you have to understand that. And so it really goes beyond the, when I say activity, it goes beyond just the numbers of, oh, I made a hundred dials. Well, if you made a hundred dials, why did you make those hundred dials? Yeah. Right. Was the list right? Did you do all the work? Did, was, was it quality activity? Right. Oh, I had 10 meetings this week. Okay. Were they 10 meetings that you actually held or were they 10 meetings that were on the books or on, on the calendar? Right. And so there's so much that goes into the activity piece that it really is truly another, like another mindset portion of this, right? When you've got your mindset, you've got your skill set, and you've got your activity. It's a matter of understanding why we're actually doing these things and then tying that why to the metrics. And without that, like you've just got a bunch of people doing a bunch of stuff that really doesn't matter. Yeah, that was gold. Three pillars goes hand in hand with triangle selling. Everything comes, everything good comes in threes. So it's so a very good recap of that. I want to go back a little bit to your origin story, Ned. Now, I know that, you know, I saw a young Ned from nine years ago beyond bodybuilding on YouTube and talking <laughs> about his macros and, and talking about his bodybuilding competitions. Talk to me about how that guy became, you know, the sales savant that you are today. Yeah. Accidentally is how that guy did that. I can tell you that much. Um, I went to school to be a strength and conditioning coach. Um, I have my master's in exercise science, sports nutrition, have interned at some of the top division one universities. And uh, about halfway through my master's degree, I was accepted in a PhD program in kinesiology uh, at Auburn. And about the same time I got accepted into that PhD program, I realized like, hey, this is probably not something that I'm super passionate about anymore, you know, to go even further back. I grew up like a fat kid, right? I was, I was a little chunky little guy and my whole life, I just wanted to be in shape. And so I started working out for, to get in shape. 
right? And, and it was fun for me. It was a lifestyle. It was this thing that I did. And I think when I put grades to it and when I put like a job title to it and when I put all these things, I said, you know what? Like, I'm not enjoying working out anymore, but working out was kind of what made me who I was and, and who I am today. And so um, I made the, the really tough decision to, uh, to say no to it. Uh, but what I did do is I stayed in the fitness industry. I actually started a, a company with a, a good friend of mine and, and one of our other friends. It was a supplement company. And we created it out of the lab that we were working in at, uh, at University of Tampa. And I got bit by the business bug, right? I was like, man, we're doing all these cool formulations, but I'm also knocking on doors, right? Supplement doors and supplement store doors and figuring all this stuff out and like figuring out what fulfillment is and figuring out what operations is and what sales is and marketing and doing all those things. And uh, I kind of got bit by that bug and, and ended up, you know, meeting some people along the way that that gave me shots that God, I know I definitely did not deserve. And, you know, they took, you know, they took shots on me when I can tell you, I didn't know, you know, my ass from a hole in the ground when it came to business. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, that was, that's sort of the short story is I put, when I started putting money to working out and started putting, you know, a job title next to strength and conditioning, um, I fell out of love with it, but, you know, luckily I was in, you know, at the time, the number one sports nutrition lab in the world among some of the smartest guys I've ever, you know, been in touch with. And, uh, you know, we did something pretty cool with that first startup of ours. And uh, I, I got bit by the business bug and, and here I am. Nice. Well, those shots definitely ended up paying off because you're here today and, and you're crushing it. One thing that I actually wanted to explore and, and ask about was the fact that you've really accelerated your career a lot faster than I think most sales reps are able to in a short amount of time. How did you do that? Like, how do you accelerate your career quickly as a, as a sales rep, a salesperson, um, and continue to take yourself to that next level? Yeah. So the shitty answer is right place, right time, right? The answer that I will really give you is I said yes to everything. I was a, an absolutely constant learner. And when I say constant learner, I don't mean I read 20, thousand books a year or listen to 20,000 podcasts. Yeah. I put myself in rooms with people that I knew I could benefit from and that I could attempt to benefit. Right. And so one of my first mentors was the reason that I got out first out to San Francisco. He was an investor in organizations and in companies. And he said, Hey, come work at this company. I said, got it right? And everything they asked me to do, I just said yes to. And I dipped my toe in 20 different things. I've been in marketing roles. I've done marketing. I've done account management. I've done customer success. I've been in sales, right? Because I just said yes. When someone like at an all hands meeting said, I need someone to do this and I didn't know how to do it. I still said yes. Right. And what I'll tell you is this is I think that's really good early on to do that, right? Because you can figure out like what areas you're good at, what areas you're not, things of that nature. But as you start to realize, oh shoot, like I'm actually pretty good at this one thing, go deep. But to double down on the proximity, I use, I, I say proximity is power a lot. Mm -hmm. In my career, I've spent, I guess now over a hundred thousand dollars on personal development of my own money. I was never at an organization that actually like had a budget for any of that stuff. All right. Yeah. And I always bought the VIP tickets. I always paid for the upsells and I always paid for the one-on-one -on -one coaching, right? 
And that put me in rooms with people that introduced me to individuals. Uh, our, our new podcast, Startup Sales and Marketing, actually just had Patch Baker on. Patch, I met at one of those events, and he changed the trajectory of my entire career in an hour and a half talking with him. And we've been close since, what, I think that was 2017. How, how so, if you don't mind me asking, like, what yeah. did he say to you in that 90 minutes that made that change so drastic? Yeah. So I had started a gym consulting business and it was going well. Like I was doing a lot. I, I was, I could pay bills. I was, I was making as much money as I'd ever made in my life. Right. And I was, but I was doing it on the side of another startup. And Patch said to me, he goes, get rid of that. Stop it. Stop doing that. And you need to go deep. He's like, you're a hell of a salesperson. You're a hell of business development. You understand people. Like he validated the hell out of the 22, 23-year-old kid that I was at the time. And then freaking said like, go deep. And you know what I did is I walked out of there pissed off. Like I was like, <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. What he's talking But guess what? Two weeks later, I stopped it all and I went deep. And you want to talk about where the trajectory of my career took off was after that meeting. It was when I went deep and it was because I had spent, it was something like $25,000 just to be in that room with those people and then spend a year in that mastermind with them. Dude, absolute game changer. Right? What was the ROI on that investment? If we're talking numbers, what was the ROI of you, of you paying that 25K and then coming out on the other side and being like, this was way wealth or wealth worth and above what I paid for it? I, I've made easily a hundred X. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now we're talking. That's insane. That's crazy. And you just focused on skill development after that. You just focused on sort of like you took the hours you were spending on gym consulting and applied it towards the startup. Was yeah, that it? Yeah, exactly. And I got in the right vehicle. I wasn't in the right vehicle at the startup, right? I realized that very quickly that, okay, if I want to go do the things that I really want to do and the goals that I have for my life, right? I need to go get in a vehicle that allows me to go make that kind of money, mm -hmm. right? When I was at that startup, I was at first an account manager, got ended up promoted to SMB sales director, right? I, there was a cap, right? It was uncapped commission, but there was a cap to what I could make. And that startup ended up getting acquired, you know, was really, it was a pretty successful startup. But where I was, there was a cap. And so what I did is I took that proximity that I had had with other people, reached out to my network and said, all right, here are my goals. Where do I need to be? And that's how I met one of my other mentors. Uh, unfortunately, he's no longer a mentor of mine, but um, met him and he said, well, why don't you come be the first sales hire at this company? Here are the things that can happen if we do well. And I got in that vehicle. And like you said, yeah, skills development, that's actually... Yeah, 2018 was when I first read the sales enablement playbook by Corey and Hillman. So Insane. I still, uh, I think I actually have the book. Corey came to uh, an event here in Toronto, sales TO, and he came and delivered his talk. Obviously, learned about his affinity for chess.com back then. Hopefully, yeah. have, have him on the show at one time. But that was a book that I still carry with me to this day because it was so deep on, on sales and sales enablement. This show is called Winning Streaks. And we talk about winning on this show. And you talk about how to within, win within an organization. Yeah. What are the three pieces of advice you would give somebody who is really looking to stand apart, stand out in their organization, and again, take themselves to that next level? Yeah. Yeah. I think the first one is invest in yourself, um, which is probably pretty rudimentary advice in these days, right? 
your $1,250 stipend is not going to get you where you want to be, right? And one thing that I always tell is people is stop worrying about Bitcoin, stop worrying about real estate, stop worrying about, you know, investing in these companies and becoming an advisor and putting a bunch of stuff on LinkedIn. No, the highest ROI you're going to get is in yourself, right? I, I can't control the markets. And, and again, I invest in real estate. I invest in crypto. Listen to what I'm saying, but also understand that I do these things and I didn't do these things for five years when I, was, when I put my head down, right? So invest in yourself. It's number one. Number two is treat the next four years like graduate school. And I say four years exactly why. And I know salespeople have this thing about like, oh, I got to get things now, 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 now. I'm telling you, it wasn't until 2019, 2020. It was, yeah, it was during the pandemic, right? 2020, when I started to really see my bank account get to the point where I was like, oh, I'm doing some things, right? So number one is invest in yourself right? Forget, like, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you've got a savings account or like an investment account that's got money in it and you're not making seven figures right now, take it out and invest in yourself, in your skills, in your mindset, in the things that are going to put you in proximity with these other people. I know there's going to be a lot of people out there being like, that's a lie, like whatever. No, I'm telling you right now, the highest ROI you're going to get right now is in your skills. Go and invest in yourself. Spend the next four years, treat it like college, treat it like grad school. If you have not spent four years developing yourself like a doctor develops themselves, like a lawyer develops themselves, you will not be a top 1%. And I don't mean go back to school. Don't go get an MBA. Don't go do those things. I mean, treat like, I, I had it down to a point where the first two hours of my day, every single day, seven days a week. I was inside of a course, inside of a book, taking notes. I treated it like sales 101, sales 201, sales 301, right? So spend the next four years. And then let me tell you, if you really, really want to stick out in your organization, have fun. Like seriously, like that is probably my biggest piece of advice because what I'm telling you, those first two ones, sometimes it's not that fun right? Because it's really cool to like get on your Coinbase account and see that you just made $2,500, right? Right. It's not really cool to spend the first two hours of your day every single day doing sales 101, sales 201, getting really good at these certain aspects of your life. But what is really fun is watching that investment of money, that investment of time, and that investment of resources, getting you to a point where you are closing tons and tons of deals, you are getting recognition and you are getting job opportunities inside of your organization, as well as people outside of your organization that are going, oh crap, look at what this guy's doing. We need him. So top three advice is invest in yourself. Stop worrying so much about these like investments that you can invest in for the rest of your life. Right. And, and that doesn't mean don't have a retirement account and things like that. I'm talking about these kind of fleeting investments. Right. Um, and then treat the next four years like it is your true. I don't care if you're 50. Treat 50 to 54 like your next if you haven't done it yet, like you're in school to become a specialist as a as a physician. Ned, this has been absolutely amazing, man. I learned so much during during this recording. I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely be listening to this a couple of times. I hope other people will too. A lot of great nuggets through and through throughout. Where can people find you, interact with you, learn more about you, and engage with you? Yeah, so probably LinkedIn is probably the best. 
just Ned Eric, A-R-I-C-K, probably the only Ned Eric that actually exists on any social media. And then let's see. I mean, I have Facebook. I've got Instagram. You can follow it. Instagram, it, it's nothing business. So, and then Twitter, I'm on it like once every three months. So LinkedIn, if you actually want to keep in touch, you can email me also, ned at closed loop, C-L-O-Z-E-L-O-O-P.com. And then also we do have a, start, a podcast called Startup Sales and Marketing and so uh, that's our founder sales accelerator podcast. So if you're looking to hear some of like the fastest growing startups, how they've done it, what they're doing, uh, go check that out. Leave us five stars, you know, because that's how we grow. So appreciate it. Amazing. I'll be sure to link some of that in the show notes. Uh, before we wrap up today, Ned, what is one piece of advice you would give to my listeners to help them achieve their next big win? Oh, good question, man. Dang. There's so many pieces of advice that I could give. One piece of advice to achieve your next big win is go do it. Like that's the number one thing that I would tell you is like, I don't care what it is, like your, your next big win that you want to do, it could be some major thing you want to do in your life. It starts with you actually going and doing something. So I don't care what it is. Just go out and take that step. If you're listening to this podcast right now, turn this podcast off. First, give it a five-star review, obviously. (laughs) Like you got to do that. Give it a nice little review there. But then from there, you just got to go and like close your computer or whatever and just go out and do the thing that you know is going to get you to that large goal. Like this all comes full circle, right? Is just take action. If you take even if you take really shitty, terrible, awful action and fall on your face, it is much better than you watching YouTube on how to take that action. Ned, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on to Winning Streaks. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much.